Amen. Father, we come before you this morning acknowledge, acknowledging you as king, not only king, but Lord of our lives. And Father, we come asking you to speak to our hearts this morning, Lord God, that you would open our spiritual eyes to see you with greater clarity, that you would open our spiritual ears to hear your small, still voice speaking to our hearts. God, that you would open our hearts to receive everything that you have for us today. And so, Father, we come with a posture to receive, to have you pour into our lives, God, to overflowing. And we pray these things with expectation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, praise team. Great job today. Great job. Yeah. Amen. And I'm glad that, that you don't let the little things in life distract you. Okay, the sound system shuts off. Well, we just keep on singing. We'll praise them louder and more vibrantly and more excitedly. Uh, we're continuing in the series, Fast, Pray, and Praise. And uh, most of you have been coming for a while, so you know that the intent uh, the last, well, this month is we've been taking a time, a uh, season of prayer and fasting. And... Uh, I want to just uh, encourage you, if you've missed any of these sermons, to go back from January 27th, or I'm sorry, uh, December 27th, uh, January 3rd. Can you turn that fan off, please? Thank you. Uh, January 3rd, and last week, if you've missed any of these sermons, uh, go back and, and watch those online or podcast them. I'm challenging everyone to fast food. I'm not actually challenging every one of you to, to fast food for 21 days, but all of us, most of us can do something. Uh, also, I wanted to mention why we're doing this fast. We're, we're uh, praying for personal direction and reflection in our lives to see what the Lord would say to us. Has, has God been speaking to anybody but me? <laughs> has God been challenging any of you? I know he has. And uh, the other things that we're praying for is revival in our nation. Um, I've said this before. I don't, I, I don't think our, our problem is a spiritual. Uh, I don't think it's a political problem. It is a spiritual problem. And we need to be on our knees praying for this nation. We're praying to end abortion. And uh, listen, our, our posture, our position here at Life Fellowship is to help people. We've helped people in all kinds of struggles, homosexuality, adultery, uh, you know, all kinds of things. And I know I've never had an abortion, obviously, but from what I understand that uh, it can be very damaging to women. And so we're not here to condemn you. More than likely, somebody in this room or somebody watching online has had an abortion. So we're not here to condemn you for that. We're just here to say there's a better way. There are people that will adopt children and, and we're here to walk through things with you. We're a family. And uh, so I, I, if you've had an abortion, I don't want you to walk out of this building feeling condemned because that's not the purpose. The purpose is for you to know that you're loved and you're cared about and we want to help. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever, you probably have seen these uh, news, these things on the news where uh, somebody has been abusing animals or horses or something like that and uh, they get taken to jail. And I, I'm not promoting that we... Uh, abuse animals but whenever I see those things run on the news something stirs within me and it says uh, I think I just saw the other day where somebody went to jail for shooting some whooping cranes which they probably should go to jail for but but uh, because they're endangered species or whatever but there's something in me that says this is inherently wrong when we can kill millions of babies and nobody really cares but an animal has more value seemingly than a human life. And uh, something's wrong with that. So, and, and we've gotten to a place in our society where we say, well, abortion is okay for inconvenience or birth control. It's not okay, not in God's eyes. So we need to do better. And we need to encourage, when you, when you uh, run across somebody that's struggling with that, encourage them. There's help. Uh, Tammy works at Anchor Point. That's one of the ministries that we support. Their primary focus is to help unwed mothers, help them. And, and I've been through a tour there, and they have little, these little models that show you what the baby would look like at certain weeks, six weeks, 12 weeks, whatever those increments of time are. And so, um, you know, we're praying to end abortion. 
And, and I would never propose that we go blow up clinics or kill doctors, none of that crazy stuff. That's just as evil as, as what's going on there. But, but we can pray. We can pray that there's a remnant that will, will rise up and say, no, I'm not participating in this. Now, we're praying to end murder and violence in our communities and in the nation. We're praying for direction regarding land and a building for life fellowship. So those are some of the things that we're praying for. And most everyone can fast a few days throughout the month. And we're reading the, uh, this 31-day devotional together. And we have a few more left. If you don't have one, you, it's not too late. We're going to read this through the, the month of January. So I encourage you to get one of these and read through it. I want every adult to have one. And then I want you to uh, participate. And then after the 31 days, there's a Bible reading program in there that uh, we can continue on until we finish the rest of the Old Testament. We're almost done with that. But before I release the, the student ministry, I wanted to read what the Lord shared with me this morning. How many of you read the devotional this morning? Did you read? Okay, well, you need to be reading. <laughs> okay. But this is what the, the Lord shared with me this morning. He said... Uh, this is what the Holy Spirit said. When the word is not taught and received and implemented, the world's culture and values migrate into the church. When the church, the body of Christ, is taught the word, receives the word, and implements the word into individual lives, the church neutralizes and even changes the, the world's culture and values. And we know that the Bible says that we're to be salt and light. We are not to just exist in this world, but we are uh, ambassadors for Christ. And we are to be uh, people that God works through to change the world and, and the values. Uh, the Holy Spirit went on to tell me that Satan, the father of lies... And the effects of sin have a desire to remove God's standard and replace it with substandard values. And we're seeing that. Um, as people of faith in Christ, we are called to live uncompromising lives and to maintain God's standard in our lives. When we live out God's standards, we are blessed and we exhibit the God standard to the world. God has a standard, and the enemy is always trying to drag us down from that standard. And so we want to make sure that we're living according to his word and his standard. So uh, last week I began teaching on prayer, and I'm going to continue that this week. At this point, I'd like to release the warrior youth. Jason, would you do me a favor? There's a windscreen. Uh, you know where my mics are on, that, on the right-hand side? Thanks. Sorry, guys, we're having a little uh, difficulty this morning, but uh, I appreciate you hanging in here. Y'all enjoying this, this cool weather? No. Okay, well. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'm, I'm glad you ventured out in this uh, sub-60 degree weather. And <laughs> uh, uh, thank you. If I can, Jason, can you help me get this on here? I can't really see. That popping noise is driving me crazy. All right. All right. Very good. Okay. We're ready to roll now. So we are continuing in fast prayer and praise. And this morning's uh, sermon is on model prayer. And it's really part two. I talked about prayer last week. So I'm continuing on, and we'll be going to Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15, and also James chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. I love the book of James. I, I love chapter 1. Uh, James was the, the brother to Christ. Uh, obviously, uh, I didn't have the same father, uh, but, uh, but they were raised in the same household. So James, ha James has some good insight. But let's go to Matthew chapter 6. And this morning, I'm going to be, normally I teach out of the New Living Translation, and because we're going to be going through the Lord's Prayer, I'm, I'm going to be jumping to the, the New King James, because I think that verbiage is a little more familiar with us, so just to, to make it a little easier. So we're going to be jumping around between translations and jumping around quite a bit, so let me get moving here. When you pray, 
Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. Why? Because their hearts and their motives were incorrect. And I talked about these uh, first few scriptures last week, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. But their hearts were not right. And uh, it was about receiving uh, affirmations from men and and being acknowledged and and those kinds of things. Uh, Matthew goes on to write, But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in in public, uh, in private. Uh, Let me read this again. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. So Jesus is emphasizing intimacy with him. He's uh, emphasizing getting alone with him. And we need regular times of getting alone and seeking the Lord like we are doing through this month. And so Jesus exampled that, he modeled that, and he instructed us to do the same. Several of you have, uh, that are going through the fast have, have mentioned to me about the intimacy and the clarity that the Holy Spirit is giving you through this time of fasting and prayer. And guys, that's really the goal. That's the goal is that, that we get alone with him. And we're giving the first of this year to the Lord, and we're doing that through prayer and fasting and seeking him. And so when we give the first to God, we know that he blesses the rest. So uh, it's important that we spend time alone with him. And I know that some of you have been Christians for a long time and you've never fasted. And this is the first time you've ever done this. And you're getting to experience something that is indescribable. I guess. I, I guess that's the best word I can find. And so when we, when we do these kinds of things, and again, we're not doing them for religious or legalistic purposes, and we're not doing it as to lose weight or any of that kind of stuff, all those, those can be some of the benefits. And there are, there are health benefits to, to uh, fasting, you know, flushing out your system and stuff like that. But that's not our purpose. Our purpose is to seek him and, and get into a, a deeper level of uh, intimacy with him. So let's read on in Matthew 6, 6. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Um, Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. And this is where I finished last week. So Jesus is now shifting. He's going from talking about prayer to teaching us how to pray. And I'm going to be going to the New King James Version now. And this is Jesus talking. He says, in this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So when we begin to pray like that, we're acknowledging our Father in heaven. And it's not a position. It's not a title. It's a relationship. We're praying as, as our dad. We're coming to our dad. And the current understanding of that, of, of our father, would be like, Daddy, Daddy, I'm coming to you. And I know I've heard some women... Uh, adult women call their their father or their dad daddy. Uh, most men, I, we seem to kind of have an aversion to that. I don't know why, uh, but the the concept is the same that he's our daddy, and we should never lose that childlike trusting component of our heavenly father relationship. If we're a hundred years old or whatever our age is, he we are still his child. We are his children. And uh, my dad passed away a number of years ago. He was a man that I held in in high esteem. He was a great dad. I had a great love and respect for him. I never called him daddy, but I did call him dad. And, uh, but but that's the, the thing, you know, what's in our heart? Do we have that kind of relationship? And are we, uh, connected with him in that manner? That's what it's all about. So whether you call him dad or daddy or, or whatever that looks like for you, the, the thing is it's a heart issue, and we need to understand that he is our gracious, loving father who loves us with an unconditional love. We sang about it today. Do you know who you are? Do you know who he is? Do you know who you are in him? So uh, we need to have that kind of level of intimacy and trust 
And, and I know that th there are people that have had uh, maybe been abused by their dads. And so there's an aversion to receiving our heavenly father uh, because uh, their earthly father was, was so bad or maybe not missing in action, wasn't there for him or whatever that looks like. But that is not the model of our heavenly father. So you can't look, even as, as great a, a dad as I had, he, was not, he is not the model. And so we need to understand that our heavenly father really does love us, really does care for us. So in this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means to be reverence. It means to be held in reverence. And so we need to understand that we're coming before a holy God, and he accepts us how we are, and we don't have to get all legalistic and ritualistic and you know all that kind of stuff, but understand that he is a holy God. But he loves us and accepts us as for who we are. Uh, let me... Uh, let me go to Matthew 6:33, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip back to the NLT here. And, and uh, it says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Are you seeking the kingdom of God above all else? Stop and think about your life. Okay, I, well, I've got a job. Well, I, I have to do laundry. I, I know. We all do. We all have to do those things. But is God first place in our life, really? Even in the laundry? Even in the dishes. I'm cleaning these dishes for Jesus. <laughs> okay, so seek, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And live righteously. We know that we're made right by the blood of Christ. We're brought into right standing when we accept Christ. But are we living righteously? That's something that is on us. What does our lifestyle say? How are we living? Let me read this whole thing. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you what? Everything you need. We know that it's God's desire that he provide everything that we need for us. And so we continue to seek him, and that's what we're doing this year. I want you to, to be encouraged. There's, there's four more days left in, in this 21-day fast. If you haven't jumped in, <laughs> jump on in, okay? It's life-changing. It will change your life. But God promises to meet all of our needs, every need, not necessarily our wants. You may not get a Rolex or a Maserati, but you may be driving a Honda or a Toyota like we do. But you know what? They get us from point A to point B, and I'm glad that uh, beats walking, I tell you. So God promises to meet our needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all other things and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Okay, let's go back to Matthew 6, 9 in the New King James. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Verse 10, your kingdom come. The Jews were, are in bondage during this time to the Romans. And so Jesus is not praying, God, get us out of here. Release us from this bondage. But he's saying, let, let, the spiritual, let your spiritual kingdom come. And freedom from the oppressive Romans, uh, you know, that probably won't, won't happen. But God, Jesus was looking beyond that. And he's saying, we're not just trying to get out of here. We're trying to, uh, I'm bringing the spiritual kingdom. God's spiritual kingdom has come, and later he will come to receive his bride, the body of Christ, us, and rule and reign for a thousand years, the Bible says. So we know that he's coming back, and uh, we, we know that he has established his kingdom here on earth, his spiritual kingdom. And uh, we are ambassadors. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Okay, so let's go to 2 Corinthians 5.20 in the New Living Translation. It says, so we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We are representatives of Christ's kingdom. An ambassador is someone that has the authority of the, the kingdom that sent them to that country or that place. And so we have the authority. We are ambassadors for Christ. And we should be making a difference because Christ is living through our lives and we are led by the power of the, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when, it, when we plead, come back to God. What did Jesus say before he ascended in Matthew 28, 18 through 20? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make what? Disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
teach these new disciples to obey all that I've taught you know that I'll be with you till the ends of the age. So he's given us as his ambassadors or his children or his, uh, who he's empowered to go into the world and make a difference. Um, we should be the salt and light to reach out to others that don't have a relationship with Jesus. Calling them, come back to God, come to God. Come on, man, I see you doing all that crazy stuff, trying to fill that God-shaped hole in your life. It's not gonna work. There's only one thing that fits, and his name is Jesus. And so we need to be actively going out, and, and I'm not talking about beating people up with a 10-pound Bible. I'm talking about just going out and living it. There are people in your day, every day, people you run across every day that need to feel the love of Jesus. They, some of them need it in a tangible way and give them a good, healthy, strong hug and let them know that God loves them, you love them. Do you, do you know that that can change people's lives? It can impact people just by knowing that they're loved because a lot of people think, well, I mean, they, we, we all have a tendency to fall into this whole performance thing where if I perform good enough, well, then God loves me. Well, if I don't, then God doesn't love me. And that's completely messed up. It's completely contrary to God's word. His, his love is unconditional. And there's a dying world out there that needs to know that. And there's maybe somebody in this room today that needs to be reminded of that, that God's love is unconditional. And so we can help the world see that by one, by receiving it and living it out and understanding that and then sharing that hope with others. Okay, let's go back to Matthew 6, verse 10 in the New King James. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven. And uh, Jesus is not saying your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, get the dice. Oops, well, that's not what he's saying. It's more like a declaration. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is proclaiming your will, God, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And through our obedience, we are one of the critical voices the world should be hearing to draw them back to the Lord. What does our life say? When people look at your life, uh, let me give this example. I worked at, at one company for about 20 years. And I hope that over the course of those 20 years, people saw a stability in my life. Okay, there were dips. There were peaks and valleys. I, I wasn't always stellar and perfect in everything that I do. But there were people that would come to me because, and, and ask for prayer because they knew I loved God. They certainly knew I wasn't perfect. But there was a, a standard there that I tried to live out and to exhibit to others. And so we have a great opportunity in our workplace to do the same thing. And, and so when people look at our lives, are they saying, you know, that guy has something or that woman has something in their life that, that I need and that I want. Or are they looking at our lives and saying, if that's a Christian, I don't want anything to do with that. What, let's take stock of our lives. And, and, and that's why this season of prayer and fasting is so important because we can say, God, what's in my life that's not representing you well, representing Christ to the world? And... I, I can almost guarantee you he'll probably show you at least one thing, if, if not a bunch more. But we should be the critical voice that the world is hearing. We should be the example that the world is seeing. Not Hollywood, not all these other things going on. Our lives should speak volumes to others about the reality of this wonderful relationship that we have. There should be joy. That's one of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the things that are, should be resident in our life. They should certainly be growing in our lives. And I don't think we ever arrive, I've got 100% self-control. I have 100% joy, you know, but we're moving forward. We're a work in progress. And I think it's encouraging for the world to talk to real people. Talk to Christians. Man, don't you ever struggle with anything? Yeah, I struggle with things. I have challenges too. Let's go to James 1, verse 21 and 22. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. 
for it has the power to save your souls. And we know that our souls are our mind, our will, our intellect, our passions, uh, our emotions. And so our spirit man, when we get saved, when we accept Christ, our spirit man is saved. But the problem is our soul is all whacked out. And that's why I love Romans 12 too. Be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. So then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, the problem is up here and the, the battle is up here. And so when we can bring our, our mind into alignment with God's word and understand who he is, that he has all authority, and we understand who we are, we can walk in the authority, dominion, and power that, that God has allocated to us, and we can live in victory. We can walk in those things. But if we don't ever allow that to be part of who we are and don't believe it and don't receive it and, and don't walk in it, we're going to miss out on the fullness of what God has for us. So we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And our soul is being saved. God is working stuff out of our lives. And uh, where's our battle? It's our soul, our thoughts, our emotions, our will, our passions. Come on, I know you know what I'm talking about. James 1.22 goes on to say, but don't just listen to God's word, period. There's a period there. Don't just listen to God's word, period. Think about this for a moment. Don't just listen. What's the next phrase? You must do what it says, period. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. So that's why we talk about, we teach the word every week. You're going to get scripture. You're going to get the word. And not only do we teach the word, but we're encouraging you to go and live it. There you go. So we need to know God's word. We need to obey God's word and we need to live God's word. All right, let's go back to Matthew 6, 10, the, the Lord's prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread can be considered our daily provision. It can be literally bread itself, but uh, it's not another person's bread. It's your bread that God has provided for you. And back in the 70s, I know that most of you may have been too young for this, but bread could also mean money or cash. <laughs> hey, dude, let's go get something to eat. All right, you got some bread? Yeah, let's go. So uh, anyway, I don't know why I brought that up. <laughs> some of us may not remember that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, our daily bread, God promises to provide everything that we need. And so he will do that. Let's read on in verse 12. And forgive us our debts, and some versions say trespasses, uh, as we forgive our debtors. Forgiveness is critical. We receive forgiveness, and we need to be quick to extend forgiveness. When we think about what God has done for us, okay, let me personalize it. When I think about what God has done for me, I'm grateful. I mean, he is, he's done so much, and he's always so willing to forgive me. And so I'm so thankful for that. And, and so uh, how are we when it comes to being gracious to others? I think about a story in the Bible where a man owed a king a bunch of money and he went to the king and he said, I can't pay you, I can't pay you. Can you help me? And the king said, all right, we'll, we'll write it off, you know, done. And the man goes back and, uh, and hammers on somebody that owes him a portion of what he owed. Tells him, I want my money right now. And the king was not happy. He said, listen, I forgave you of all this and you're gonna go try to get a little bit out of this guy? I'm not happy with that. So when we understand that God loves us and he forgives us, we should be gracious and loving toward one another. Matthew 7, 1 and 2 says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. When we are in alignment with God's word, let me, let me pause here for a moment because when we are in alignment with God's word, we are not judging. When we say that, listen, you're having an affair, that's wrong. If you're involved in homosexuality, behavior, that's wrong. If you're killing people, that's wrong. If you're lying, that's wrong. If you're stealing, that's wrong. We're not judging them. We're coming into alignment with what God's word says. That is the standard. That should be the standard in our lives. And unfortunately, in, in the church, like I talked about, or like the Lord showed me this morning, 
you know, we've ingrained and incorporated a lot of the world stuff into the church and lowered the standard. And the church has gotten so afraid to say anything, they, to, to not be politically correct. We're compromising. And again, I'm not talking about going up and, and raising a ruckus. I'm just saying stand on the word. And if the word says it's wrong, then it's wrong. No ifs, ands, and buts about it. And so we're not judging. We're simply coming into alignment with God's word. He has already judged these things. He's already said these are wrong. These are outside of the bounds of, which is, of what's good for you. When you step out, it's not good for you. So he says don't do it. So we shouldn't be doing that either. And we hear stories all the time about people that are failing and falling and sinning. It should not be in the church. It should not be. So God has already judged these things, so we're just coming into alignment with his word. And I think that all of us judge from time to time. We all do. We can look at somebody and make a judgment. Oh, you know, wah, 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 whatever. You know, and so we need to understand that we need to look past the exterior. You can't always judge a book by its cover. And we don't know what those people are going through. We don't know what's happening we don't know what God is doing. And we need to be praying, God, help me to not judge them, but help me to have insight and understanding and what's going on in their life that I can help them, that I can give them encouragement, that I can give them the word of God. And I've shared the story with you before where uh, when Christine and I first got married, uh, we, were, we were not really walking with the Lord very strongly. I was coming back to the Lord and she was just coming to the Lord and uh, a coworker of mine came up one day and, and he said, Mark, you say you're a Christian? I said, yeah. And he said, well, the words that come out of your mouth don't reflect it. I wanted to hit him. I really did. But, but I knew he was right. And I believe that man was led by the Holy Spirit to tell me that. That was a turning point in my life. When you're hit with the reality of that, you, you either do two things. Either you blow it off and ignore him or you hit the guy and get in a fight. Or, or you just you say, wait a minute, I've got to take stock of what you're saying here. And that was a turning point in my life. So we're not talking about compromise and we're not talking about judging, but we are talking about standing up for the word of God. And listen, if you love somebody enough, you're not, you're not going to let them run out in front of a car if they've got a needle stuck in their arm, if you love them, you're going to say, listen, man, there's a better way. You need to get off that junk. You need help. Let me help you. If we love somebody, we will stand up and tell them the truth. Okay. Uh, do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. Another version says, with the measure you judge, you shall be judged. So you judge them a lot. You're going to be judged a lot. You judge them a little, you're going to be judged a little. So let me read it in the NLT. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is a standard by which you will be judged. I want a lot of grace, man. We want to judge other people harshly, but we want grace for ourselves. Okay, so let's be gracious. Let's not compromise the word of God. Um, so let's look at the first part of this verse. For you will be treated as you treat others. So how do you treat others? Are you treating them kindly, with love? Are you gracious? Are you generous? How do you treat others? For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. So ask yourself this question. What is the standard I use? I'm the standard. <laughs> Are you really the standard? What about maybe Jesus is the standard? I think we all have some work to do to meet that standard. Again, it's not about work. It's not about performing. It's about that relationship that we have and the transformation that takes place in our lives as we come into alignment with his word and yield our life to him. Okay, Matthew 6, 12, back to the New King James. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Resentment and unforgiveness are brothers. They're connected together. Resentment and unforgiveness left unchecked leads to bitterness. Let me say that again. Maybe somebody wants to tweet this. Resentment and unforgiveness are brothers. 
Resentment and unforgiveness left unchecked leads to bitterness. Please don't allow the root of bitterness to take hold in your life. I know people that have allowed that root of bitterness in their life for decades. And it's, it's terrible. It destroys lives. Bitterness can be a driving force to being judgmental and legalistic. I'm bitter because I've been treated unjustly, so I'm going to be legalistic. I'm going to be ritualistic. I'm going to be judgmental. Unforgiveness is often the root cause. And so Matthew 18 is a model for us. Uh, if It says if you've got a problem with somebody, go talk to everybody else about it. It says no. It says if you've got a problem, you go talk to them. Go talk to them. And then if you can't get a resolve, take a couple of people with you, two or three other people with you, go talk to them. Then if you still can't get it resolved, then bring it to the church and allow the church leadership to resolve the issue. But the first step in that process really should be to pray, but also go and talk to that person. Think of how many wars and, and, and things would have been avoided if people would have just communicated. And think about the relationships in your life that may be damaged, where maybe a little conversation, a little heart-to-heart -heart conversation would have resolved some things. So unforgiveness is often the root cause that leads to bitterness, that, that damages lives. And that's why God is so intent on us being uh, forgiving to, to one another, that we receive his forgiveness and that we also extend that. So let's look at Matthew 6.13. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Do not lead us into temptation. Let's, I want to go to... Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and it says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. We all experience temptations. Everyone does. Um, I think most men struggle with sexual lust. We're visual beings, and uh, you can drive down 45 or 146, and you see posts or billboards in your face. You see it on TV everywhere you go. Let's just be real today, okay? I mean, not that we're not real every day, but uh, let's be real about this thing. I mean, pornography is a huge issue. I was sharing with the men's group. I, I don't remember the exact statistics, but I want to say like 80% of men or boys between the ages of 12 and, and 18 or 20 or something like that look at pornography uh, on a regular basis. 80% of them look at pornography on a regular basis. Um, in the same article I read that uh, and this, these, are, these are supposed to be Christians. These are evangelical Christians. And uh, um, the, the article also said that 50% uh, of pastors, 50% of pastors look at pornography on a regular basis. Is it any wonder that there's no power in the church? Is there any wonder that there's all kinds of sexual immorality and impurity and lustful pleasures and all that kind of stuff going on in the body of Christ? When it's entrenched, the world system says, hey, it's okay, you know, it's pleasurable. Yeah, it's pleasurable to the flesh. The flesh loves it. But what it does is it creates bondage for people. And Jesus didn't come that we would be in bondage. He came that we would be set free. So, you know, we need to understand that there are temptations. We all have areas of weakness, and they come from our sin nature we were born in and from our woundedness. We know that from the word that when Adam and Eve disobeyed, when they sinned, in, uh, sin entered into all of humanity, and it became part of our DNA. It's not our fault. It's really not our fault that we have that within us. But we do have Jesus Christ who can deliver us from that. So we don't have to walk in that. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we can overcome. Let's, let's read on here in, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And God is faithful. God is faithful. When we, when we just connect with him and when we seek him, he is faithful. It goes on to write, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Temptation is hard because it appeals to our flesh. It's something that we desire, that we want. We're not tempted with something that's gross and, 
and unappealing to us. But the temptations come from the things that, that are fleshly and we have a, a, something that relates to something we want. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. When the Holy Spirit says, run, run. Don't contemplate. Don't think about it. Just that's why we need the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us because he's there for us. And he's saying, hey, don't go there. Don't do that. Um, Matthew 6, 13. And do not lead us into temptation. This is not Jesus saying, okay, I might, I might try to trick you up here. He's not saying that at all. Or he's not saying I may lead you into temptation. And do not lead us into to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Our primary uh, the primary way he delivers us from evil is by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, don't go there. Don't click on that. Don't go to that place. I've had a rough day, man. I, I'm just tired of this mess. Finances are a mess. My wife is nagging on me all the time. I'm going to pull in this liquor store. I'm just going to get a fifth of whiskey. I'm going to take care of this right now. Where does it start? Our soul is being saved. And the Holy Spirit's saying, don't do that. That's not the answer. You go and get drunk, fall off the wagon. What is that going to do? That's only going to put you down a path and into a vortex that gets worse. Sir, we don't have a, a table for you at the restaurant here, but we've got a seat for you at the bar. Man, no, no, thank you. I'll wait for a table. Listen, if drinking is a problem, stay away from it. It's not going to be a temptation if it's not something that's appealing to you. Don't click on that website. Don't go there. In fact, why don't you just shut the computer down? Maybe that's what you need to do right now. The Holy Spirit will speak to us, but he's not uh, uh, you know, going to come and tackle us. We have a will. Our souls or being saved and coming into alignment with God's word. Don't flirt with that coworker. Ah, it's just innocent flirting. Yeah, I, don't go there. Godly character and, in, and integrity are important, but the prompting from the Holy Spirit is always with us. Develop, and that's that's part of what we've been talking about. For, what we always talk about, but uh, coming into that intimate place with him, developing that sensitivity of the Holy Spirit to hear that small, still voice speaking to our hearts. And I'm not going to go there, but in James 1, James goes on to write, uh, he says that God is never tempted and God never tempts anyone else. Now, we are tested sometimes. And I've been going through some tests during this 21 day, this, this month. And, but what's the purpose of that? For God to extract some stuff out of me? If you're never tested, how will you know? What if you went through a whole course, uh, a class, and never got tested until the final test? You wouldn't really know how you were doing. And so a test is to reveal to us where we are in this process of spiritual growth, which is a lifelong process. I don't think we get out of this, guys, not until we die and go to heaven. So God is, is, is not about tempting us, but he will, out of his grace, Give us tests so we can see how we're doing. Temptation comes from, it says in James, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. It go, he goes on to write that as sin grows, it gives birth to death. And so it's a progressive thing. As we begin to compromise, as we begin to compromise, as we begin to compromise, we're, we're being led down a path that we're being drawn away by our own fleshly carnal desires that drag us and entice us. They drag us away. And then when sin comes to fruition, it leads to death. There's a, I think it's a proverb. I can't, I don't know where it is, but I know I read it. And it says that people, basically, it says people do stupid stuff and then blame, blame God for it. Okay, Matthew 6, 13. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power 
and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. And Jesus closes out this example of teaching on prayer was something that he's really wanting to reiterate to us. And we've talked about it already, and it's about forgiveness. Look what he says in, in verse 14. If, say if, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will what? Forgive you. He goes on to write, but if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Listen, if, if God, you, you don't know what they've done to me. You just don't know. No, I don't know. And I'm sure it hurt. But if God can forgive them, who are you not to forgive them? I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, or maybe you did at one point in time and you've walked away. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? You want a fresh start today? Anybody here today? All right, we're going to take some time, and uh, we're just going to worship. And I want you to ask the Lord what else he has to say for you this morning, say to you this morning. Let's just uh, worship and, and be open to what the Lord is speaking to us. There's a peace I've come to know. Though my heart and flesh may fail, there's an anchor for my soul I can say it is well Jesus has overcome and the grave is overwhelmed You know, the reality of those lyrics are we have risen because Christ has risen. We can rise above the world's standards. And if you don't walk away with anything else today, walk away with this. God really does love you. 
Your past is your past. Today is a new day. So let's walk out with that confidence and that encouragement. And then let's be so filled with that that we're sharing that with the rest of the world around us. And before I release you, I want to, if you don't have one of these, we've got, I don't know, six or eight of them there left. They're not going to do us any good to sit here. So if you don't have one, take one. And please, please join us in reading this daily devotional for the rest of this month. We've got four days left in this fast. If you can fast, I promise you, you will experience something. You will experience God on a level that, that you've never experienced before. Uh, I, there's just no way to explain that. So I want to encourage you to do that. Also, we're going to start something different this, or in addition to our regular service. We're going to have a prayer team that's going to be back in the foyer. So as you're exiting, if you would come through and, and go through the, the red door out here, uh, we want to give them some privacy. If you have some prayer needs, prayer requests, somebody would like to stand with you. Richard and Raina will be back there in the foyer. And then once the section clears out over here, if there's anybody that wants prayer, we may move them over here just for a little more privacy. So um, I want you to, to take advantage of that if you would like. And I want to thank you so much for being here. Women, you, if, you're, if Life Fellowship is your home, you need to be here on Tuesday night. And uh, also we have our midweek service Bible study that's, that's really good. And I think that's all we have going on this week. Uh, but I, I hope to see you back next Sunday. And, and please invite your, your coworkers, your friends and neighbors to come. Um, they need the Word of God. And if you've been reading with us in the devotional, uh, uh, Pastor Robert's been talking about the power of the Word. And, and I think the next series that I'm going to do is, is going to be about the Word. So listen, uh, there's a great opportunity to invite people. If we don't, if we don't make a deliberate choice to see God and spend time with him and be taught the word of God, it's, it's just not going to happen. So uh, we need to be deliberate in that. So we're providing things for you that will help you. And uh, I, I encourage you to come to the, the uh, uh, Life 101 class tonight at 630. We're going through the books of the Bible. It's, it's good, good stuff. And also we have a college and career at 630 tonight as well. So if you know anybody that uh, outside of the church that would be interested in those things, invite them. And then I would like for you to come as well. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. I pray that you would continue to, to pour into us richly. Reach into our hearts and, uh, and remove the weeds there that don't belong. And backfill that with, with your precious soil where good fruit will grow good things will grow from our lives. And Lord God, we pray that you would continue to work in our hearts, that you would continue to reveal uh, your will for us and uh, also open up doors of ministry for us to share the hope and the love of Christ with those whom you bring across our path. Let us not be quick to judge, but quick to love. In Jesus' name. You're dismissed. Go out and live it. I will rise when he calls my